Yeah, okay, guys. Yeah. I think we're on week eight uh, about church. Are you enjoying it? Are you learning anything? Mm. Man, this. You know, church is more than what we realised, isn't it? When you see it in, in, from the heart of God, written in his word, how the church was brought together and birthed. Do you know what I mean? How, how do you become a member of a church? Give your life to Jesus. Right, yeah. You have to be born again. You're born into church. That's the truth. There's no such thing as a Christian. Unless they're born again. You can't be a Christian. The term born again Christian is not really true. Because there's no other way that you can be. I'm a Christian because I'm a born again believer. I found out that Jesus is real. So we've already said that we were born dead. We've been made alive. Jesus is a life giving spirit. The church, the word church means the called out ones. Ecclesia, it's like God's hand picked us. In, in the Gospel of John it says that um, we didn't choose him. He chose us. That should make you feel good. That God chose us. Um... And over the last couple of weeks, when John's been talking, he's been talking about unity in the body. And the body should be, to, to a healthy body, should be in unity and harmony. Like when, when the blood's flowing through our body and we're fit and healthy, this body's healthy. So when the church is in unity and harmony, it's healthy and it can move in power. Just like when it happened after Jesus rose from the dead, he initiated the church. And the church worked. When you read the book of Acts, and you, we'll come to a couple of verses in there in a bit. The way the church worked amongst the community in and around Israel, and many people came to God, gave their lives to Jesus, and many miracles took place and, and a massive outpouring of God by his spirit the church is God infilling human beings by his spirit the church is God infilling human beings who recognise that he loves them by his spirit amazing We, over the last several weeks, we talked about church, a practical purpose that the church has amongst the work that takes place, you know, what we do in the community, what we've done abroad. It's what Jesus would do. It's what we believe the Holy Spirit has told us to do as we help people around us in the estate. We help people. That's what God would do. The people who 
other people turn their backs on, God steps in and loves. Hallelujah. Where, where the world finds no worth, God finds real worth. Hallelujah. And we're back to that same point. What's our worth? Well, it's the worth of Jesus allowing the Romans to take him and nail him to the cross. That's love. And he had to do that because otherwise we would be roaming around aimlessly dead in our sin. But he so loved us that Jesus, I'll say it again, Jesus allowed the Romans to crucify him. It was a fulfilment of prophecy that was spoken. And in John again it says, Jesus said, I lay down my life. No one's taking it from me. I lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. So within the church, within the gospel, there's an incredible plan. that It's there for people who are looking to find it. If we want to engage our heart and find the truth, and we want to find it, we'll find the truth. And it's good news, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, I wonder why he, why, why he picked me. Maybe you, I mean, maybe you should do. I wonder why he picked you, you might think. You know. Yet he shares the intimacy and the mystery of God in the church. This is what I want to talk about a little bit. This is the church's spiritual purpose. Really important. Okay. Isaiah 60 verse 1. It says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for behold the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people but the Lord will arise over you and his glory shall be seen on you this is the church in the spiritual realm yes some people will see that we're a bit different when we're out there walking in our lives they should do in the spiritual realm, the glory of God is irradiating from us. We're light. The light of the world. The church is the light of the world. Should be the light of the world. And if we're allowing God to work out through us, then we're shining. Matthew 5 verse 14 and 16 says... Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they lamp, light a lamp and put it under the basket or out the way and hide it. But they put the light on a lampstand. And it gives light to all. The church is designed to give light to all. We're not supposed to be, what's the word? Secret agents of the Christian. 
keep coming to this occasionally. There are no Christian secret agents. We don't get our light that we shine from and hide it under the table and pour a cloth over it and hope no one sees that we're what we are. But we should let our light shine. We should be bold and confident. Not a pain in the neck. I know some, some Christians, and I have been like that, I must admit. Well, you're thinking, oh, give us a break a bit, you know. But sometimes, you know, God loves us, you know. And the light that we have, we shouldn't hide. That's why the church is linked to the Spearhead Trust. Because of the work we want to do to care for people. God loves people. God loves people. And he wants to bring out the best in people. He wants to give them hope when there isn't hope. He wants to give them purpose when they're pulling out the hair and wondering what to do next. When there's no hope, nothing seems right, there's no chance. And yet God wants to step in with a message of a gospel that can give people hope. And he might just use you. You know why? Light, light attracts. A nice summer night. We've been bathing in the garden, taking it easy, maybe a barbecue. The windows are open, chilling out. The light goes on and suddenly these flies come in and moths come in and they're all being attracted to the light. Well, if you read the Gospels, you'll find that people were attracted to Jesus. He, he said and did things that made people feel comfortable. That made people feel like they had some worth. And it's a great litmus test that when you're around people in a church if you go into the church feeling, feeling down and miserable and you go out feeling worse than when you went don't go to church brother or sister but the idea is that church is designed to speak some good things to you give you some hope give you some purpose Make Jesus real. You shouldn't feel condemned. The light shines in the darkness. If people like darkness, then they're going to get uncomfortable because the light will shine up and show them what they're doing. And sometimes the word does that. It just says, okay, man, I need to change the way I am. I need to do something different. But we know that God's more than just a behaviour modification kind of God. You know what I mean? We can't fool God. We can fool people. You can come to church, done up in your suit, and you come out and you hold denims, and you can be raising your hands and saying all the right words, and people go, wow, something's really happened to him. But God's saying, He's a big, fat lie. He's, this, the Bible says, his lips honour me, but his heart is far from me. Because God wants our heart. 
That's why I can come to church in jeans, but love God out of a pure heart, because God's a God of the heart. Men look at an outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It's not what we do, it's why we do it. What are you coming to church for? Is your conscience wrong reason? Because you found Jesus to be real and, he's, and the gospel's good news? Good reason. That'll, that'll wake you up and bring life and brightness to your eyes and life to your spirit. Incredible church is that. The church, the called out ones. We're not walking around. I used to know someone who used to have a massive Bible. I mean, he, put it on, he couldn't put his hand in his pocket once he got his Bible under his arm. It was massive. And you'd see him coming down the road and he'd say how humble he was. <laughs> and it, it just didn't match up. Not because of the size of the Bible, because of his attitude. But we come to Jesus because we recognise we needed a saviour. Who recognised they needed a saviour? Who saw themselves as stinking sinners who needed a saviour? Well, that's, that's the credentials. That's why we come to church. That's why we come and connect with God and have our sins forgiven. And then suddenly we were born into church. We don't come because it's a social club and they're doing food. We're coming because, man, this is just what I have to have. Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but upon every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The body needs bread. The spirit needs the truth, the word. This is spirit food. This is a big fat feast for our spirit. Because it's the truth and it liberates. And as we do this discipleship course in September, man, there's going to be some feasts going out. Wow. We'll become a food bank in a, in a different way. Amen. <clears throat> so the church, the church is compiled of men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not people who turn up on Sundays to ease their conscience and sit in the same seat they've been sitting in for 25 years, but are coming because they want to be a part of something that's living and active, that's working, that challenges them, that sometimes is difficult, but you still got to come because Jesus is real. Amen. Amen. I've got something written in blue, so I'll read it. The, ch <clears throat> the church is a very poignant power in the realm of the Spirit. Church leaders need to teach new believers to be aware of the responsibility of belonging to the new covenant church. We don't just turn up. We don't just turn up and sit on the pew. We're a part of a body. God's called us for a purpose. There are things God's invested in us that he wants us to allow to come out so that we can serve him in the body practically and spiritually that will be a blessing to us you're not coming to be here and to be entertained you're coming here so that we can equip you when the world wants to throw you down throw you away because you're a waste of space God says not to me brother 
not to me, sister. They're going to dump you and I'm going to bring you out and raise you up and show them just how good you are with a God inside you. Hallelujah. What one person's scrap is another person's treasure. <laughs> it's the truth. And the world scraps people, writes them off. But God brings them in and values them and adorns them and motivates them and challenges them and directs them and gives them something they've been looking for all their life. Because he's the one responsible for the life-giving power. Because he created us in the beginning, to, to begin with. There's a mystery in the church from the New Covenant. The Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament is set up to point the way to one who was going to come, who was going to bring life to all who would believe in him. We know that's Jesus but within the mystery of that is that God wasn't going to just deal with Israel and the Jews alone. Okay. There's a, a portion of Acts 10, verse 9 to 16, I'm going to read. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on a housetop to pray about the sixth hour, so it was about midday. He became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound in four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it, were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And the voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Whoa, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again a second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times and then the object was taken back up to heaven. What was it? What was God trying to show Peter? God was showing Peter that what, what God's called priceless, don't you dare call common. Don't call things that you think are rubbish when I call them a part of the treasure. So we'll go on a few verses, shall we? Verse 44, Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So, within the mystery of the church, God wasn't just showing his love to the Jews, 
which is the whole story in the Old Testament. You can see the way God moved. He picked a man and followed the man through his life. This man, the man had sons and he picked the sons and he moved along in their lives. And then the, the man, one man in particular called Jacob, had 13 sons, I think it was. And then that, he, because his name became Israel from the man. And then the, the sons came and suddenly the nation of Israel was built and God was with them all the way along. And there's an incredible bloodline to, to go through the whole of the Old Testament that brought through to manifestation, to appear, being Jesus. But hidden in Jesus' death, burial and resurrection, we know that the church was involved. It wasn't just Jews. It was Gentiles as well. And what I've just read to you is where God, Peter was in there preaching to the gospel, to these um, non-Jews and the Holy Spirit came down and they were filled with the Holy Spirit just like they were in Pentecost and they was all worshipping God and speaking in other tongues God was connecting with Gentiles unbelieving Jews to begin with so the church has now become full of nations of the world not just Jews this was a massive thing remember because the Jews wouldn't talk to Samaritans the woman at the well was a Samaritan and when Jesus turned up there at midday the woman came the Samaritan woman Jews wouldn't speak to Samaritans they were unclean that's why the woman turned up at midday when it was boiling hot all the other women, the Jews, turned up in the morning or late in the evening when the sun had gone down so they can all get together and chat and pull the, get the water out of the, the well. But Jesus turned up because he knew this woman would turn up, this Gentile, right? And he crossed barriers, like I said. He, he was a bit of an anarchist, Jesus was. He was a pain in the neck to all the religious. He, they hated him. They tried to kill him on several occasions, as we know. But within the plan of salvation, God was going to be bringing in Gentiles as well as Jews. Yeah? That's part of the mystery of what the church... It would contain not just Jews, but people from all over the world. So this is a scripture from Ephesians 3 verse 9. Listen to this. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus. To make his manifold wisdom may be known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus what I'm trying to tell you is it's a lot of words there's a mystery in the church right that is, gonna, is being declared to the principalities and the powers 
which is what we're talking about, the spiritual purpose of the church, that they see now that we're alive in the spirit. They dealt with one Jesus, like we know. They thought they was going to kill Jesus, get him crucified, and the problem's over. We can dust our hands and it's finished. But what happened was, they, the death and crucifixion of Jesus, played the vital key in bringing about the church, which is everyone in the body being made just like Jesus. This is big stuff, you know. I can see it's, this is powerful stuff. <clears throat> God was making a declaration of intent to the powers and principalities that the church was going to be a force to be reckoned with in the spiritual realm. You're a force to be reckoned with. This truth that we know has the devil defeated? This truth that we know has the devil defeated? Hallelujah. Thank you, Chris. Ephesians 1 3 says this Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that there is in Christ in the heavenly realms. God's affection on us. People see the benefit of that in our lives. And we can benefit others from that. But there's a deeper revelation of God. We're spirit beings. Right, look, right now, around us, in this room, there's angels and there's demons. There's spirits at work. Do you believe that? We can't see it. Just like there's radio waves, infrared and ultraviolet filling the room, but we can't perceive them. But how do we perceive this truth then? Right. Thank you, Chris. Me and you, we'll have a, a chat you and I. Okay, me and you, okay, one to one. <laughs> The just shall live by faith. The Christian shall live by faith. Everything that we are, we receive by faith. Faith is being sure and confident that we're in the mix of this. And around us is a spiritual realm that we are the light of. it's been blue again the truth is that if the powers and principalities if the angels or the demons had known or understood what was taking place when they crucified Jesus they would have avoided it with a passion the very act that was designed by the enemy to put an end to Jesus actually paid the key that empowered the whole plan of salvation you can count on a, a miser being a miser. You can count on a demon who's wicked being wicked. And God knew that the wickedness of a person was going to be wicked, so they would want to kill 
Jesus and he designed the plan that would the wickedness of men would put into place the key that would set Jesus up as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Incredible, absolutely amazing. I'm not going to even be able to get to the key to all this this week, but and we won't get to it next week because we have a little bit of a celebration next week. But the week after, I want to I want to share with you what you are going to experience in this world and why the church is here because there's going to come a time and I believe quite, quite soon where the church is going to be taken off the planet in one move of God at 25 to 7 we're here it's just gone 25 to 7. We won't be. The church will be gone. You have a check there then. <laughs> because it talks about a rapture. That God is taking the church off the planet earth. Because while we're here, the Holy Spirit is in the church. And the Holy Spirit is stopping lawlessness to flood the earth but when the Holy Spirit's taken off the earth the church goes with him and all hell breaks loose what we're seeing around us and we know how wicked it is in areas across the world how wicked it is that's nothing to what's going to take place that's because God by the Holy Spirit is on the earth in the church and we're the church who's standing up for what we believe and what we know is the truth. And we're going to have to learn to stand church. A greater percentage of the traditional church in these days don't believe some of the things that we share and that we know is the truth. There are people high up in the Anglican Church and traditional Methodist churches and Catholic churches who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. There's lots of leaders high up in these traditional churches who are looking to try and get a one world church, a one faith church. And that's not in the Bible. And we're going to have to learn to say, no, I don't believe that. You've got to, we've got to, we've got to know what we believe, church, because uh, some of us may well be martyred. And martyrdom has been going on through the last two millennia since Jesus died and was resurrected. Millions of Christians have been martyred 
millions for what they believe. It's happening in Nigeria and different African states. It's happening in the Middle and Far East states. Christians are being killed. They're being killed because they're standing up for what they believe. It hasn't affected us as yet. We can pretty much meet when and where and how we like. But that, that could stop. That could stop. And if things that we preach, that we believe, that I believe, I have to stand up for them. You guys are in your daily life. You've got to stand up for what you believe. Not just fit into the crowd here, fit into the family, fit into the body, fit into the church. But we got, we're meaning business, this is real. Just like the principalities in the spiritual realm are real. Your Christian life isn't a breeze, it's not, it won't be a breeze if you're standing up for what you believe in. And I know we're all having difficulties. And we will because we're in the world. In this world you will have tribulation and frustration, etc, etc, etc. But Jesus said, I've overcome the world for you. I've taken away its power to harm you. But in order to receive that, we need to be holding on to what... And who Jesus is? Really? Taking hold of it? It's going to mean something on a Monday morning? And then Wednesday afternoon? When you could be doing something bad? Horrible? And you think, enough's enough now. I'm not doing that. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I don't do that. I'm not messy with it. Because when the time comes and push comes to shove, if when the sun's out and everything's hunky-dory and hallelujah, if you can't stand up for what you believe then, what are we going to do when there's some real, real pressure happening? We're going to just go and hide in the corner and hope no one can find us. Because if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it when the pressure's on. We don't... In Colossians 3.3 3 it says, according to this world, in the, in the amplified version, Richard, you can stick around if you want. Colossians 3.3, 3, you've heard this before. For as far as this world is concerned, you're bubbly and happy and all children. Is that what it says? Yeah. So as far as this world is concerned, it's Christmas and we're all strawberries for lunch. No, you don't. <coughs> Thank you, Chris. As far as this world is concerned, we've died. And your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't want us to, I'm not saying this for us to sit and get anxious about the things that 
are coming, what I'm saying is, just build up our holy faith. Learn to stand, conquer little things in our life on a daily basis. Enjoy the, the life of God with us and using our faith. And see things come to fruition in our lives, using our faith, conquering, trusting God, trusting in the word. So that when some of these big things come, and they're coming, they're coming, I'm not, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you as well. I sit and think about things, I think about, I've got to stand up for this, and what I would do if this happened or that happened, and I'll think about leaving this place. Thank God for Jesus. Because I'll tell you what I do there, I think, how could I cope in this world if I didn't know him? How could I cope in this world if I didn't know Jesus? There's nothing, nothing, there's nothing he's got to offer. Life's a terminal experience. We're dying. According to that scripture, we've already died. But we've been made alive in the spirit. We were dead before. Dead. Jesus is amazing, man. This gospel is phenomenal. I challenge you all to think about it. Give it some time. Think about it. With the discipleship course, come and wake yourself up. Because this is incredible, incredible truth. And I'm. I'm Hallelujah. A couple of scriptures and then we'll finish. About standing. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. 1 2 Corinthians 1.24 Not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty which Christ has made you us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And probably the biggest one in the scriptures and for anyone who is here we spent three months teaching about this a few years ago about the armour of God. It says this Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 19, I think, Richard, you're going to put it up. <clears throat> Listen to this. Read it in your Bibles every day for the next week. Finally, my brethren, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of this dark age, darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. 
Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, take the shield of faith, which will be, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given. Get your attitude sorted out. The armour is an attitude of mind that you walk with and you take with you in your daily life, understanding that the people that you connect with are not necessarily the problem, but there are spirits beyond the people who are working to try and get you in the spiritual realm. We are light. Did you put it on this morning? Pardon? Did you put it on this morning? I never took it off last <laughs> night, but all right. Yeah, you're funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there's a cost to being a Christian. This is this is good news. It's not straightforward. It's not easy. But maybe some people just come to church and think, man, I've four. I've just put a, a shed load of stuff coming. Out of here. We're born again, guys. We're going to live forever. We're born again, guys. We're going to live forever. Right, Hallelujah! Do you know, and this flesh is dying, and when we die, we step out into a, a brand new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! And if we're going to get raptured, we'll all go up and change immediately anyway. Woo! Up together. And, and eternity, eternity awaits us. There are people you don't know. Sorry, there are people you know who don't know Jesus. Recognise that. Because they won't be going up. They'll have to face the force of the lawlessness that's going to hit planet Earth like a tidal wave. An opportunity right now if anyone doesn't know Jesus and don't understand completely everything I've said but wants to know him just come to the front and we'll pray for you